Heard a man of God say years ago, the success of any Christian endeavor is based on the prayer behind that. Have you found that true even in your life? If you've got a vision from God, you need to pray that through. Prayer fuels the vision, whether it's corporately or whether it is individually. I like this uh, scripture over here in Proverbs 29, verse 18, and we want to look at it in the Amplified says this, where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. But he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is he. Would you say most of those people on that DVD that we just watched had no redemptive revelation of God? They didn't have any idea who Jesus is. You and I are blessed. How many of you in here are born again? Amen. It's awesome to be in the family of God. And this verse tells us when we have that redemptive revelation of who God is, we can walk in His law. We can walk in the vision that He has for our lives. And that makes us blessed, happy, fortunate, and to be envied. It's good to have Jesus on the inside of us, and it's good to know He has a plan. He has a purpose for our lives. He has a plan. He has a purpose for this church. I like over in Jeremiah chapter 29. Tonight we're going to be just sharing a few scriptures here and laying the foundation. I was reading this passage this week. I shared this with a group that we work had been mentoring on Thursday nights. And this scripture just really spoke to me this week. Jeremiah 29, 11, verse uh, 11. And I'm going to look at it in the NIV. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Can I get a hallelujah? Aren't you glad that God's got plans for us? He's got purposes for all of our lives, and they're good plans. I'm so glad that he didn't say, I've got plans for you. Some of you I really like, but some of you I'm not so fond of, and I've got bad things in store for you. No, he said, I've got plans to prosper all of you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. There's too many people in this world that have no hope. There's people in this world that think, well, young people particularly, why should I plan for the future? You know, according to Hollywood, we're going to get invaded by aliens. This planet is doomed. I mean, most of the movies are all about this invasion of foreign things that are going to come and take us over or we're going to get hit by a meteor or something and get wiped out. So why should I have hope? Why should I plan for the future? Our hope is in Him. Young people need to know that, hey, there is a reason to live. There's a reason to push into God, press into God, and find out what He's got in store for you. He's got good things in store for all of us. Knowing Him, knowing there's a plan and a purpose from God will give you a vision for your life. We don't have to perish. We don't have to be stuck. We don't have to be people without hope. 
because we're hooked up with him. And as I was reading this uh, passage this week, I thought this was awesome, that there's a clue in the next verse to finding his plan and his purpose for our lives. How do we do that? It says right here, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Verse 13, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That's good news. How do we tap in to what God's got in store for us? We come to Him. We call upon Him. We seek Him with our whole heart. Isn't it good to know that Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Then what's going to happen? All these things will be added unto you. So prayer is necessary for His purpose. For his vision to know what it is and for it to come to pass. A good friend of ours, Patsy Caminetti, a few years ago I heard her say this. Prayer without a promise has no foundation. A promise without prayer has no purpose. We can get this great promise from God, all these things that we are believing for, and we, He's told us that's going to happen. But you know what? we got to pray it through. A promise without prayer is not going to have a purpose, and it's not going to come to pass. The things of God don't just fall on us. They don't just happen. They are legally ours. But we have to contend. We have to get into the Word of God. We have to find out what the Bible says about us. We have to pray the answer. We have to pray the promises He puts in our heart. We've got to pray those things through. Why is that? God's not the withholder. He's the giver. But there is an enemy in the earth and he tries to stop the plan of God. He tries to get people discouraged and cause people to give up on their dreams. Give up on their hope. But not here. Amen. We're fueling the vision through prayer. Now, when it's uh, important to know that the promise comes from God, but we also have to know that the promises need to line up with the Word of God. These are just basic principles I'm laying out here tonight. But we are believing that the Holy Ghost is going to take hold together with us, stir some things in our heart, and these, the Word of God just fuels our prayer. Amen? Over in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, I want to look at that in the Amplified. This is the confidence, the assurance, the privilege of boldness which we have in Him. We are sure that if we ask anything, make any request according to His will, in agreement with His own plan, He listens to and hears us. The next verse. And if since we positively know that he listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted as our present possession the request made 
of him. That sounds like confidence. Some of the words, powerful words used in this passage says, we have this confidence. We have this assurance. We have this boldness. We are settled, absolutely privileged to know that when we pray according to the will of God, when we pray the word of God, he hears us. He answers us. That's why it's important. Our spiritual father, Brother Hagin, used to always say, find a scripture that covers your case and then present the word of God back to him. E.W. Kenyon said this a prayer. Prayer should be God looking down to earth and seeing a mirror reflecting his word back to him. When we are praying based upon the Word of God, we don't have to be wondering. We don't have to be wavering. Well, is it God's will? Is it going to happen? Is it going to come to pass? Hey, when you found it in the Word of God, if you know, there's scriptures that cover everything. There might not be something in there that says, take that job. But it, the scripture that you can stand on as many as are led by the Spirit of God, those that are led forth with peace, just find something. Hold on to, lift it up to God. He gives us the desires of our heart. Whatever it may be, there is a scripture that we can stand upon. Now, oftentimes when we have received a promise, a vision, something we're believing God for, there's something called time. Time. The passage of time can enter in, and it can cause our faith to be weakened, cause us to wane, cause us to let that vision slip. Has anybody ever faced that? You've had something on the inside of you, and you're like, well, yeah, this is God. This is going to happen tomorrow. Well, it doesn't happen tomorrow. Okay, it's going to happen next week. Well, it didn't happen next week. Okay, next year. You know, a lot of times at the beginning of a new year, this is a year. The vision is going to be fulfilled. It's going to come to pass, and we need to face every day, every new year with that kind of expectancy. But sometimes it doesn't happen that year. And when there's this passage of time, we can sometimes begin to let the vision slip. But I want to encourage you tonight to hold steady, to stay in faith, keep fanning the flame, keep fueling the fire through prayer, and you will see the desired end result. I heard someone give an illustration about the Chinese bamboo tree. Anybody heard that? The Chinese bamboo tree, it comes from just a normal sized seed. But you plant this seed in the ground and you water it one week. You water it the next week. You water it the next month. And you don't see anything. For the first month, nothing. For the first six months, nothing. But you've got to faithfully keep watering this seed. For the first year, nothing. Not even a sprout. But you've got to faithfully keep watering the seed. The second year, water the seed. Two years, three months, nothing. Two years, ten months, nothing. The third year, keep watering 
the seed. Three years, six months, three years, ten months, nothing. The fourth year. You know, most people will get pretty discouraged. They might even forget where they planted the seed because there's, you know, there's no sign there. You better put it in a pot or something because you might forget. Keep watering the seed. Nothing, 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 nothing. But sometime during that fifth year, it could be five years and six months, but you keep watering that seed, and all of a sudden, it shoots out of the ground. Now listen to this. I didn't make this up. This is for, for reals. This tree grows 90 feet in six weeks' time. 90 feet in six weeks' time. How is that possible? Because that whole four years and that whole first spot, part of the five years, when we were saying nothing, 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 there was something, something, something happening under the ground. That seed was doing something. The roots were spreading out. They were growing far and they were going down deep because that seed knew that there was going to come a time when it was going to spring up and grow 90 feet in six weeks. So it needed to have this massive root system to support that kind of rapid growth. Folks, some of you might be at four years and 11 months and 29 days. Woo! Hold steady. Keep watering the seed. The vision shall come to pass. God is faithful. How do we water that seed? We water that seed through our prayers. Through speaking the word over it. Amen. I get encouraged sometimes when it, it might seem like it's taken a long time. I get encouraged by looking at biblical examples. So I like to read books even on past revivals. And some of you may not like that, but I love that. It fuels my faith because I always read it and say, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did in the Azusa Street Revival, he's going to do it again. What he did with John Wesley, he's going to do it again. What he did in our nation in the 1800s, he's going to do it again. I get encouraged. Prayer always produces the same results when we pray in faith, when we believe the word. There was a prophet in the Word of God, and we want to take a little bit of time and look at his life and get some encouragement from it. Prophet Elijah. You ever heard of him? He's one of my favorite guys in the Bible. First of all, over in James chapter 5, it talks about him. It says that Elijah, in verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. But he prayed, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And then verse 18, and then again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. 
I like to look at this passage of scripture because sometimes we look at men and women in the word of God and we think, well, they weren't human. They were like superhuman. They were super duper prophets of God. But this says Elijah was a man. He was a man with feelings, with emotions, with affections, just like you and me. But he was a man who knew how to pray. And when you are a man or woman who knows how to pray, it can change the course of your life. It can change the course of a nation. Elisha prayed with some kind of prayer. And it's listed there in in verse 16. We just want to highlight the last few parts of verse 16 in the Amplified. It says, The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. This was the kind of prayer that Elisha prayed. It was earnest. It was heartfelt. It was continued. He didn't give up. He knew he was a righteous man. And there was tremendous power that was made available when he prayed. Dynamic in its working. That word dynamic is the same word that we get dynamite. Dynamite from. What does dynamite do? Dynamite blows things up. Dynamite blows things and gets them out of the way. Hallelujah. That's effective. That's tremendous kind of praying. So this was Elisha. This was how he knew how to pray. But if you look at his life over in 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 18, I'll capsulize this story for you. In 1 Kings chapter 17, Elisha went to King Ahab and he said... It is not going to rain for three years. That verse just said, Elisha was a man and he prayed and it didn't rain for three years. So he went and told Ahab that. He wasn't a real popular guy with King Ahab. So that was the news he delivered in chapter 17. And then in 1 Kings chapter 18, another day came in the life of Elijah. This is the day when he had been praying and he heard from heaven that it was time for there to be a cleansing in the nation. It was time to get rid of false idols and Baal worship. So again, he goes to Ahab. He goes and he says, this is what we're going to do. We are going to have a showdown at the OK Corral. I've always wished that somebody would do a motion picture on that part of Elijah and not make him a little wimpy guy. I always, as a kid, I I always hoped, you know, if John Wayne was still alive, that he could play Elijah. And it could be like he used to do with the bad guys, a showdown at the OK Corral. There was a showdown that day with the prophets of Baal. And if you'll read this, I mean, Elijah, he wasn't even trying to be politically correct. He harassed those guys. He said, hey, you go first. You call on your God. And nothing, of course, nothing happened. They were going to call fire down from heaven. Nothing, nothing, nothing. So then he goes to him and he says, you better yell a little louder. Maybe he's hard of hearing. (laughs) Nothing, nothing happened. 
And one translation says, you better yell a little louder. Maybe he's in the bathroom. I mean, he is just jabbing and harassing these guys. But then his turn came. And he said, this is what we're going to do. He was in fellowship. He was in relationship with God. He knew that our God is a God who hears and answers prayer. God had given him that vision of the land being free from Baal worship. So in verse 39, this is all he did. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. That'd be a good prayer for today. God, show yourself strong. Show yourself mighty that this people, those people that said, ah, Jesus was a historical figure. Jesus was just a a good prophet. That this people, this nation would know that you are the true and the living God. He just prayed that simple prayer. You can read the account for sake of time. We don't have to go through all of it. But let's look at verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell, consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust. And it licked up all the water that was in the trenches. And then verse 39, the result. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord... He is God. The Lord. He is God. Talk about prayer fueling a vision. He had a vision that Israel was going to turn back to God. He prayed. He heard what God told him to do. He acted on what God told him to do. And the result was that land was cleansed. Of idol worship. 450 prophets of Baal were destroyed that day. One righteous man prayed the fire down. And it brought a cleansing and a purging to a nation. It caused God's people. These were God's people that had been deceived and gone into worshiping false religions. It caused God's people to stand up and say, Oh, I forgot, but now I remember the Lord God. He is God. Oh, I forgot, but now I see the fire come down from heaven. Yeah, the Lord God. He is God. But you know what? God wasn't even done displaying who he is. All in a day's work. For the prophet John Wayne, I mean Elijah, all in a day's work. So this all happened. And then in verse 41, he got another word. Then Elijah, he said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. It hadn't rained for three years. But now he's saying the land's cleansed. The prophets of Baal are gone. And now there's going to be the rain. Falling in a dry nation. And I like that. He didn't have any, he didn't see any clouds in the sky. He didn't hear any thunder roaring. He had a vision. He'd heard from heaven. He saw it on the inside. This is the way 
it's going to be. The Lord has spoken to me. So then in verse 42, So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground. He put his face between his knees. I find that interesting. That speaks to me. He took his prayer pose. He put his face between his knees. He wasn't looking up in the sky to see if there was going to be any clouds, any thunder, any lightning. He was looking on the inside. He was looking to God. He was focused on that vision. He was focused on what God had said to him, and he was going to pray until it came to pass. And it did. And then we know the rest of the story, verse 43. And when the servant said, go up now, he said this to a servant. After he'd been praying for a while, he said, go and look. Tell me what you see. The servant came back and he said, there is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. And every time the answer was, there is nothing. Can anybody relate to, I got this on the inside, but every time I look, it still looks like nothing. I got on the inside, I'm healed. But when I look, it still looks like nothing. It looks like there's symptoms still on my body. I got it on the inside of me. I see my family saved. I see all of my relatives saved. But when I look, they're acting like the devil. I got it that my kids are going to serve the Lord. But when I look, they look like demon child. You know, nothing, nothing, nothing. Looks like it's changing in the natural. Let's derive some encouragement from this right here. He looked seven times, six times. Nothing, 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 nothing. But on the seventh time, something, 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 something. It shall all come to pass. Everybody lift your hands with me and just say it like this. It shall all come to pass. I see something on the inside. And say this, someone on the inside is working on the outside. Something, 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 something is about to happen. I like this phrase. It shall come to pass. That's what verse 44 says. Then it came to pass. The seventh time, the prophet's servant said, Well, I see something. It's a little cloud. Don't you find this interesting? It's as small as a man's hand. It's rising out of the sea. That was all Elisha needed to hear. He said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. He saw this cloud the size of a man's hand. And that represents to me, he saw the hand of the Lord. He knew the hand of the Lord had responded. He knew the hand of the Lord had heard his prayer. He knew the hand of the Lord was about to come on the scene and to make it come to pass. It shall all come.
come to pass. The hand of the Lord is working in your life. The hand of the Lord is coming on the scene. He's moving, he's moving, he's moving, he's moving. The hand of the Lord is on you for good. Everybody say that. The hand of the Lord is on me for good, good, good. Hallelujah. He told his servant, you go tell Ahab to get up and prepare because the rain is coming. Hallelujah. Verse 45. Now it happened in the meantime. You know, God wanted him to speak his faith. He didn't see any big billowing clouds. He saw a little cloud the size of a man's hand. But he began to speak faith. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. God's hand is moving. He's coming on the scene. And when he spoke those words of faith, now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind. There was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. What do we see in this passage of Scripture? One man's prayer changed a nation. One man's prayer brought revival. The process was this. He prayed. The fire fell. He prayed again. The wind showed up. He prayed again. The rain began to fall. Our prayers do make a difference. Our prayers can change the course of our life. Change the course of our family. Change the course of our nation. Fire brought a cleansing and purging. Wind brought the rain. The rain brought water to a dry land. Our nation needs all of the above. We need the fire of God to fall in our land. That there would be a purging and there would be a cleansing. We need the wind of the Holy Spirit to blow in our land. We need the rain of the Spirit to fall because it's spiritually dry. It's spiritually dry in many places. But we're declaring subject to change. I want to close with this statement and then we're going to just spend the rest of time praying. Brother Hagin prophesied this. He declared this a few years ago concerning the end time revival. He said this end time revival will be fueled by prayer, fired by the Spirit, and ignited with His glory. Did you hear that? Fueled by prayer. Prayer fuels the vision. Fired by the Spirit and ignited with His glory. We got some places to go. We've got some things to do. We've come into the kingdom for such a time as this. And we are all here to offer our supply. You know, if you want to get to a destination in your car, if you want to drive down to L.A., one of the first things you've got to do is make sure there's fuel in the car. Fuel 
carries a car to its destination. Prayer fuels a vision to its fulfillment. And that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be offering our supply and asking the Holy Spirit to take what we offer and to make it fervent in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's all stand. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Father, for the help of the Holy Spirit tonight. Lord, we are calling upon the great helper tonight to give us divine utterance to pray as we ought to pray. To pray, Lord, over our nation.